just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Tuesday. Now, we had two podcasts yesterday, the normal podcast, and then a second podcast where Ed joined us. It's been a while since Ed joined us because, well, the holidays, and he's going to different places around the country. And uh, we finally caught up with him yesterday, and I'm glad we did. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about, and it's always good to get his insights. He'll probably be back on Wednesday, and then it may not be till the middle of next week. I'm going out of town on Thursday. I'm going to be back Monday. Still doing podcasts, though. Don't worry about that. And Ed is going out of town on Friday and won't be back till Tuesday. So that period, it'll be hard for us to connect up. Um, nonetheless, this week is going to be interesting. We've got uh, preparations and the run-up to the big runoff election that's going on in Georgia on December 6th, which is Tuesday. I'll be there through the 5th, so maybe I'll gain some interesting insights about Georgia, the atmosphere in Georgia, as we get closer to this uh, runoff election. And this is really kind of an important one. We've already got the majority in the U.S. Senate, but getting that extra one will be a big help to the Democrats. It'll cancel out um, Joe Manchin. But in two years from now, in 2024, Christian Cinema is back up for re-election. And frankly, uh, she hasn't made too many friends with the Democrats in Arizona. And I'd be surprised if she ends up coming back after 2024, back in her Senate seat. Ruben Gallego, who is in the House of Representatives, is going to be going up in a primary against her. He's a very sharp guy. He's a legitimate Democrat, and I think the Democrats will be more comfortable with him. Now, if we can cancel out Manchin with this extra seat in the U.S. Senate, that will do a lot to help. And you'll probably say, well, we have cinema that we have to deal with, too, and there's no way to cancel her out. This is true. But again, given the fact that she's going to be up for re-election in 2024, she might be looking to behave a little bit different, maybe be a little more easy to deal with. Maybe not. If not, then we'll have to wait till 2024 and kick her ass out of there. But for all intents and purposes, I see the way the Democrats are positioned right now as a net positive. Of course, we have the majority in the Senate and maybe have one extra after December 6th. And I really don't see how Raphael Warnock loses that. We've got a lot of advanced or early or absentee votes already in, and that's going to benefit the Democrats. In the first round, the uh, general election Warnock beat Herschel Walker by 30,000 votes. Didn't make it to 50, so that's why we've 50%. That's why we're going to the runoff. But I don't see Warnock losing this. I see Herschel losing ground at this point. He's not gaining ground. As I said before, that extra month, all that does is allow us to focus on Herschel Walker and notice how stupid, how inarticulate, and how potentially damaging he would be to this country. And I think people are seeing it. And I said something, too. I think this is a good selling point for Georgians, even if you are a Republican. When you hear the things that Herschel Walker says, he is going to be an absolutely an embarrassment to the state of Georgia and an embarrassment to anybody who voted for him. Now, Republican, Democrat, there's a definite split there. But the people of Georgia don't want to look stupid. And if they vote in Herschel Walker, that's exactly how they will look. So that's going to be interesting. I want to talk about the House real quickly. I said this in a TikTok, and I'll reiterate it here. 
I think the Democrats are worse off with their current scenario when they take over the House in January with a small uh, or a slim margin. I think they're worse off now than had they lost the House. Now, you're probably saying, you're fucking crazy. How is that possible? Well, think about this. Because they have a slim margin, they aren't really going to be able to do much. They're going to be hard-pressed to get any kind of of, uh, Speaker of the House um, voted in because they need 218 votes. We know that uh, um, Kevin McCarthy, the guy who thinks he's heir apparent, uh, is probably, what, 20 20 seats short. They talk about Stefaniak. They talk about some of these others. And uh, I don't know who they're going to vote in. And how do you bring a House of Representatives into into order and to actually do anything if you don't have a uh, Speaker of the House? I mean, ultimately, they'll come up with somebody, but it won't be probably who everybody agrees on. In fact, I've got a story later on in the show, and I'm uh, I'm interested in talking about this because a good point is made. Obviously, Kevin McCarthy is fighting like hell to become the Speaker of the House, but he's saying if we mess around with this too much, the Democrats may get to choose who is the Speaker of the House. We'll talk about that later because that's an interesting concept. I don't know if that's just a desperation comment by Kevin McCarthy or that really happens. Now, the reason why I think that uh, the Republicans are worse off with their current condition than had they lost the House of Representatives. You remember the midterms, and you remember what they argued about. They argued about inflation and gas prices and immigration and all that stuff, and they were able to point their fingers at the representatives in the House of Representatives and the Senate, for that matter, too. Well, the Democrats no longer have the power, theoretically. And so they don't have anybody to point fingers at except themselves because they have the quote-unquote power in the House of Representatives. And the way it's sounding, they have no intention or interest in getting anything done. They want to have all these investigations. Now, the problem with that is, is as much as the midterms were lost by the Republicans because of Donald Trump, it was also because of the crazy shit they do, the chaos they create. And if that's all they're going to do in the House of Representatives, that's going to do irreparable damage to them come the 2024 midterm elections. Now, these people are so arrogant, they think it's all Donald Trump will step away from Donald Trump, at least some of them will, uh, but will still do the same things. You see, the problem is, is that even though the MAGA crowd in the Republican Party is a minority, they talk loud, they make threats, And it could end up that the Republican Party is still run with the likes of Marjorie Taylor Greene and the MAGA fucks. And if that's the case, uh, the Republicans are putting themselves in a situation where they will ultimately fail. Because that's part of the reason they failed in the midterms. I don't believe that they don't see that. I think some of the more reasonable mind Republicans might see that. But do they have enough that sees that, that they will actually make the change? I'm actually very interested to see what's going to happen with the House of Representatives with the Republicans. Now, some people are saying, what should we do? You know what? You just sit back and watch. They're known for stepping on their own dicks, so let them. Let them fuck themselves up. The more they talk, the more they do, the worse they make it for themselves. So maybe it's best to step on back. Now, the people that are reasonable minds in the Republican Party, at least those people that want to step away from MAGA, they're going to either have to join in with the crazy fucks or try to come up with a way to do some things over the next two years to warrant them getting reelected. And the only way to do that is somehow work with the Democrats because They'll never get the entire Republican Party together to vote anything in. So they're going to have to go to the Democrats. 
And I think the Democrats should take advantage of this situation. Don't be so anxious. Don't be, don't be just happy they're willing to work with you. Because they're in a tight spot. They can't win unless the Democrats work with them. So what I would say to the Democrats, make them work for it. Just don't be grateful and say, yeah, we'll do whatever you want. Tell them to fuck off and tell them, I'll help you get some things done for the benefit of our constituents. But we're not going to do it all your way because you have nothing to offer. You are a minority now. And then the Democrats can place some pressure because these guys have to do something and they can't count on their own party to help them out. So you see, I think this is a a better position for the Democrats than I think a lot of people realize. It really puts the Republicans in a bad position, not only because it's a slim margin, but because the party itself is split, and it doesn't seem like there's going to be any time where they will unify. So the Democrats should use that to their advantage and leverage these fucking Republicans, whether it be the reasonable-minded ones or the MAGAs, Leverage those fuckers to the hilt and get as much out of them as you can. All right, we've got a lot of uh, concerns about the Supreme Court. We have Clarence Thomas, who's married to an insurrectionist. We expect to see some things going on there uh, as the J6 committee comes out and as DOJ and Jack Smith go after the sitting members of Congress and the people like Roger Stone and Jenny Thomas who were involved in the insurrection. All this is going to come up. And whether it will bleed over into Clarence Thomas, I don't know. But we have yet another problem we talked about with Judge Alito, the leaker, if you will. (laughs) Sounds like the Supreme Court needs some bounty Because they're leaking like a motherfucker. And it sounds like Alito is the source of that leak. Now, you'll remember that uh, the Democrats kind of gave the Supreme Court an ultimatum. A lawyer for the Supreme Court dismissed questions about the ethics issues at the court in a terse reply to a letter from two top congressional Democrats on Monday. Supreme Court legal counsel Ethan Torrey replied to the inquiry from Senator Sheldon Whitehouse and Representative Hank Johnson of Georgia, each in charge of oversight of their courts in their respective chambers. Now, these two congressional investigators had pressed Chief Justice John Roberts to answer questions about how the court handles ethical breaches after news reports revealed um, a pressure campaign by Christian conservatives, group Faith and Action, that apparently resulted in Justice Samuel Alito revealing the outcome of his 2014 decision in Burwell versus Hobby Lobby prior to the release. And when you saw something like this, a witness telling you that he leaked in 2014, you have to wonder about what's going on with this recent leak of the Dobbs case and overturning Roe v. Wade. It only makes sense that Alito did release it or leak it because he was pressing really hard to get this this Roe v. Wade overturned. Now, as I understand how it goes in the Supreme Court, somebody writes a decision like Alito, and he did in the case of uh, overturning Roe v. Wade. They send it to all the justices. They take a, have an initial take on it, and then they go back and forth, and they talk, and they discuss, and then they might change their votes. Well, some people are suggesting that he did the first round like that, and a lot of people sided with him. But after they discussed this a little bit, he got a sense that maybe some people would pull out. So he got nervous that he wasn't going to be able to overturn Roe v. Wade. Ultimately, um, the people who signed on would bail and he would lose. So what's he do in that case? He accidentally on purpose leaks the decision with their names on it, which basically sticks them with that. They can't You know, for whatever reason, they can't change their vote. It's already been released. The dam has broken. 
the damage has been done. So now, for all intents and purposes, Alito is forcing them to stick with their signing on that decision, even though they may have changed their mind. So that's the problem. And that's why people are suggesting that he was probably involved in the leaking of uh, the Dobbs case. Now, the other interesting thing about this, which I find very interesting, is we're talking about the Supreme Court. And somehow the Supreme Court has a fucking lawyer. I mean, we have very accomplished lawyers on the Supreme Court. These are the highest leaders of uh, legal jurisprudence uh, prudence in the country. But they got to have a fucking lawyer, this Tory guy. Now, Tory did not answer any of White House's and Johnson's questions regarding ongoing or potential ethics inquiries to the court leak draft opinion overturning Roe v. Wade or into Alito's alleged leak of Hobby Lobby outcome. Nor did he say which justice received gifts as part of the religious right pressure campaign. He goes on, um, this story says, there's nothing to suggest that Justice Alito's actions violated ethical standards. Tory's letter simply restates Alito's denial of the alleged leak, saying that the New York Times report that the uh, conservative justice leaked the Hobby Lobby outcome to Donald and Gail Wright, two supporters of faith in action. He says that remains uncorroborated. He goes on to say that Alito did not violate ethics rules in accepting meals and lodging from the rights because the couple never had a financial interest in the matter before the court. Well, maybe they didn't have a financial interest in that specific case, but clearly they had a financial interest in the Supreme Court in general, why are Supreme Court justices accepting gifts at all? They're supposed to be unbiased. They're supposed to be not prejudiced against everything. But somehow they're getting gifts and dinners and whatever else. It'll be interesting to find out what they are getting. Now, in addition, the term gift is defined to exclude social hospitality based on personal relationships as well as modest items such as food and refreshments offered as a matter of social hospitality, Tory wrote. Now, White House and Johnson wrote a letter on November 20th demanded that Roberts say whether the court was investigating any aspect of Faith in Action's pressure campaign, including former leader Reverend Rob Schenck and his allegation that Alito had leaked the Hobby Lobby outcome. Schenck had written a letter to Roberts as the chief justice was investigating the leak of Dobbs. These two congressmen also wanted to know if the court had considered taking a tougher approach to internal ethics in light of Schenck's allegations and asked whether anyone is in charge of preventing conflicts of interest related to donations to the Supreme Court Historical Society. Well, that's, you know, that's the answer. We know there is no code of ethics. We know there's no code of ethics in the Supreme Court, which is Absolutely mind-blowing. Yes, they are the most powerful legal leaders in the land, but they are still humans. They are still fallible, and they do have the potential to be compromised. And if you have no code of ethics, how do you enforce, how do you hold people responsible when they are compromised? I mean, clear, clearly we have some Supreme Court justices that are compromised one way or another, we know Clarence Thomas, at the very least, is compromised because his wife is an insurrectionist. And he refuses to recuse himself on anything having to do with January 6th. We know that there is a witness and some evidence that Alito leaked a decision which is highly illegal and unethical. And we have to suppose that uh, he might have been involved in the leak with the Dobbs case. And why? Well, because he's the only one that we know of that has fucking motive. The Supreme Court says, yeah, we're going to investigate this. We're going to find out who it is. But 
all this time later, they haven't gotten any closer to finding out who did this. It seems strange that some body as powerful as the Supreme Court hasn't been able to figure out who the leak is. And maybe they did find out who the leak is, but they don't want to do anything about it because they're already concerned about the legitimacy and the perspective of lacking credibility by the general public of the Supreme Court. This whole thing seems really fucking dirty in my mind. And at the very least, there should be an investigation. And at the very least, we should know what is going on. They're concerned about us questioning the Supreme Court. Well, what else are we supposed to do when we know that there is some crooked shit going on in the court? As long as things are unethical, at the very least in the Supreme Court, how can we trust the court to do what's right? I mean, that's how it always seemed to be. Well, we're the Supreme Court. You don't have to know what we're doing and just trust us to do the right thing. Sorry. When it comes to conservatives and Republicans, you all have proven that you're not trustworthy. We have to question what you're doing. And at the very least, the people of this country should be able to question those people that are supposed to uphold the law of the land and have permanent lifetime appointments. Because if we've got somebody with a permanent lifetime appointment and they are unethical or break the laws, again, we have a problem with our Supreme Court. And if we have a problem with our Supreme Court, that's one of the three branches that is important in order to maintain our democracy. So if we can't trust the Supreme Court, we have to question whether or not this is going to damage our democracy. And if, in fact, it does damage our democracy, well, then it should be looked into, don't you think? And um, White House and Johnson basically said, look, you're either going to look into this or we're going to do it, meaning Congress. Now, of course, the House of Representatives is going to flip to the Republicans in early January, January 3rd, I believe. But that doesn't mean the Senate can't look into it, especially if they have 51 seats filled. So it doesn't sound like the Supreme Court is going to step up and do anything. They're just going to say, how dare you question us? Well, I'm sorry. If you don't want people to think you're fucked up, don't do fucked up shit. I say that a lot, but it's as simple as that. You can't do the things you're doing and not have people question you. And you can't tell us that we don't have the right to question you because fuck you. This is democracy. I don't care if you're on the Supreme Court. The fact that they have no code of ethics is just, as I say, mind-blowing to me. At the very least, that should be laid out and implemented immediately by the Senate, by Congress, whatever it takes. These people should be held to the highest standards. Up to now, we've assumed that they've conducted themselves in the highest of standards, but clearly that's not the case. So White House and Johnson is saying, you either fucking do something, show us the results, or we're going to do it for you. And I'm interested to see what that looks like. Does that mean at some point down the road they're going to try to stack the, uh, the Supreme Court? Well, as long as the Republicans hold the House of Representatives, it's going to be virtually impossible to do that. That said, things can change in the House of Representatives, and maybe they already know that. When Jack Smith comes out with the DOJ and the January 6th committee comes out with their final report, there are going to be sitting members of Congress that are exposed. And presumably, if they were involved in an insurrection, that would suggest that they are going to be expelled from Congress. There could be five, six, seven, hell, seven of them ask for pardon. So let's say seven are expelled. It's not an automatic win for the Democrats. Sure, it'll get these insurrectionists the fuck out the door and maybe indicted down the road. But there'll have to be special elections for each one of those seats. Now, of course, 
uh, given the districts they're coming from, it's likely that a Republican would be voted in. At least they won't be as dirty and as slimy as the ones that they kicked out. At the same time, things might be so bad for the Republicans and the candidates might be for shit that maybe one or two or three or four Democrats make their way into the House of Representatives. Then all of a sudden, the majority flips and goes to the Democrats. This is a very close situation, and a lot of things can happen in the next couple of years, and I suspect they will. Hell, a lot of things are going to happen this fucking week. So we're going to keep a close eye on things, of course, and and hope for the best. And uh, by all means, we need to make make this uh, um, court accountable for the shit it does. Here's an interesting thing. Remember Kellyanne Conway? At, uh, she, <laughs> she looks like the woman at the end of the block, the neighbor that drinks and smokes too much. That's what she looks like to me. But, of course, her husband is anti-Trump. I don't know how that marriage works. I can't imagine being in a marriage where you're on opposite sides of the political spectrum. But somehow they are. I, who knows what's going on there. But Kellyanne Conway, of course, served as a senior advisor to President Donald Trump. Now, on Monday, she spoke to investigators on the House Select Committee looking into the events surrounding the January 6th attack. Now, this is interesting. We don't know if she was subpoenaed or forced into the situation or she's testifying willingly. I guess it really doesn't matter. It'd be interesting to know what she said. And frankly, I expect we'll find that out in the next hearing or the next presentation that the January 6th committee gives. Now, she's obviously very close to Donald Trump, and it would suggest they're getting very close to wrapping this up. People are always worried about, well, this J6 committee will get shut down by the Republican Party. Don't think so. I think they'll end it before then. They probably already plan to do that. Or they've planned to shift it to the Senate. That's a possibility, too. But the Republicans aren't going to have a chance to shut this down. It's just not going to happen. Now, now, when Conway went in to talk to the J6 committee, she spoke for nearly five hours in a closed-door meeting in Washington, D.C., after she was seen entering a conference room with attorney Emmett Flood, who also served in the White House during the Trump administration. NBC News reported, I'm here voluntarily, she told reporters after the meeting ended. She added that she spoke with the former president last week, but that Trump did not know she planned to meet with the House panel's investigators. That's interesting. I'll bet you she specifically didn't tell Donald Trump because Donald Trump would lose his shit or try to convince her to lie. And frankly, that would be the dumbest thing in the world for her to do. She still has some future left. She has a family, and she's got to be in some sort of business in order to continue to pay the light bill and feed her kids. So I suspect she was as forthcoming as absolutely possible. At this point, Donald Trump is a sinking ship. It does no good to bail water now. Get the life jacket and fucking save yourself. Now, Conway, of course, was a key figure during Trump's 2016 bid for the White House, uh, and she worked in the administration until she resigned in August of 2020. She was not working for then-president during the insurrection, but the Washington Post reported in January 2021 that she called an aide in the White House as the attack unfolded, urging Trump to speak to his supporters and tell them to stand down. She knew this was going to be a shit show. And she knew it was going to bring down Donald Trump. So she called and tried to offer some advice. Of course, that was fucking ignored. And Trump did what he did. Now, 
Apparently, he does. She's she's not willing to talk about the conversations with Donald Trump. I don't know if she's looking at presidential privilege. Um, she said, "I think if they want to know that from him, they should depose him." Well, no shit. That's what they're trying to do. He said he wanted to be deposed, but now he's fighting it in court so he doesn't have to be deposed. It really doesn't matter, as I've said. The January 6th committee isn't going to punish anybody. It's just a fact-finding mission. It's just to expose the evidence to the general public. The DOJ is going to be the one that, um, that does the punishment part of this or the indictment part of that. And Donald Trump will not have the option of not showing up. I mean, we saw that with Lindsey Graham. So (laughs) if he doesn't show up to the House Select Committee, I don't really mind about that. Now, the committee is getting ready to finalize its investigation before Republicans regain control of the chamber in January. Conway told reporters she is not working with Trump on his 2024 bid for the return to the presidency. Well, and that's probably good news for Kelly Conway because it's a losing proposition. As I've told you many times, Donald Trump is not only not going to win in 2024, he's not even going to run. And if he does run, that's a good thing for the Democrats because you'll split the party even wider than it already is, and uh, he has no chance of winning. I mean, in 2020, he lost by 7 million votes. Please, if you think Donald Trump is going to run and you think he's going to win, please explain to me where he gained votes from... uh, 2020 to now, and then 2022 to 24. Everything he's doing is costing him votes. He cannot win. The Republicans know he cannot win. That's why they're stepping away from him. He's a losing proposition. He's now a liability. So they are going to stand with Donald Trump. All right, let's take a quick break and we will be right back. Well, something I'm truly enjoying is how Donald Trump is absolutely unhinged, losing his shit, clearly scared to death about Jack Smith being appointed special counsel by Merrick Garland, looking into the January 6th insurrection and to the top secret documents uh, stolen by Donald Trump and brought down to Mar-a-Lago. This is bugging the shit out of him. Needless to say, he's scared and he has every good reason to be scared because he broke some serious laws and he's got basically a hitman bearing down on him. Now, in an ongoing rant posted to his personal social media account, True Social, on Monday, the former president admitted that he stole the documents from the White House, concealed them for a year and lied to the FBI. His lawyers lied in court documents, then demanded a special master. Now a special master is overseeing a likely prosecution. See, this is what Donald Trump does. He not only tries to delay, but when he does talk, and he rarely shuts up, he always implicates himself. He makes it worse for himself. You know, like the dinner with Kanye and Fuentes. He could have just said, no, I don't want to meet with these guys. I mean, he has the Secret Service. If he doesn't really know them, which I find hard to believe, if he doesn't know them, the Secret Service should have investigated it and said, yeah, you don't want to talk to these guys. But I'm sure Donald Trump said, no, no, let them in. Let's talk. Kanye, (laughs) Kanye and uh, Kanye's my boy. And if he's got a friend coming in that likes me, Bring him in, too. And that's exactly what they did. Now, Trump is ranting and raving, as you can imagine. He said, when will you invade Bill and Hillary's home in search of 33,000 emails she deleted after receiving a subpoena from the U.S. Congress? When will you invade the other president's homes in search of documents that which are voluminous, which they took with them? but not nearly so openly and transparent as I did. See, this is the one thing Donald Trump always does. Yeah, I broke the law, but I did it right in front of your face, so it's okay. Now, to fact-check this, the fact-check is wrong about the 33,000 emails, 
But that has never stopped the complaints he has about Hillary Clinton. There were no 33,000 emails. Never were, never will be. Similarly, the National Archives has released a statement saying that the previous president didn't steal documents. All presidents are given 12 years to review or even uh, uh, post or pass documents, but they have to go to the National Archives to ensure the documents are recorded under the Presidential Records Act. And again, that may be one that he gets nailed on. It's a relatively minor offense. But the good news there is if he is convicted of breaking the Presidential Records Act, he can no longer run for any office again. And I guarantee you he's going to get hit with that one, especially if that's the only thing that's going to stop him from running. I'm sure first and foremost in their mind is to make sure he never runs again. But it's the last line Trump wrote that will likely be one people remember forever. He said, they took them, took with them, but not nearly so openly and transparently as I did. You see, that's a confession. He said he did it. So once again, Donald Trump implicates himself, fucks himself over. And that's why I say, let that motherfucker top, put him back on Twitter, let him rant and rave about being a criminal. Trump had only been transparent about stealing the documents after the FBI came in and took them back after over a year of outreach in trying to get them. And at no point Trump did Trump post anything or reveal anything about stealing the documents transparently. He's saying he's being transparent, but it's only been transparent because the FBI had to go to Mar-a-Lago to take him off his property. Now we all knew about it, but Donald Trump didn't say anything about it when he left office. So the whole concept of being transparent is a bunch of bullshit. It's, it, it didn't happen, and uh, <laughs> Donald Trump is so fucking stupid. Now, addressing the issue on Monday was Mary McCord, the former acting assistant attorney general for the national security at the U.S. Department of Justice from 2016 to 2017. She said, so, you know, I think that if there hadn't been many months of back and forth, a national archive saying we, we think you have presidential records, him delaying, finally delaying, delivering a couple of boxes, still not being a full return of all the boxes and subpoena being issued, more documents being produced, certification or, or declaration that there was all the documents that were in his custody, signed and certification and filing a search warrant, said McCord. If we hadn't had all that, he might have said in the chaos of moving, I didn't realize they were all there. Now, see, that would have been the answer that he should have gave. Oh, geez, I fucked up. I didn't know I had them. Sorry, here they are. But that's not what he did. In fact, he didn't want to give them back at all. That's why the, the stuff he did give back was fine, but he held back a lot of stuff. And as far as we know, he still has more stuff. Now, McCord, she made it clear saying, I thought they were mine isn't really a possibility anymore. She went on to explain that many of the documents being classified and marked as such are also pretty damning to Trump. So even if there was a Pollyannish defense, he has destroyed it with his own changing of stories. I think he's going to say his defense to what he said today in that true social post is, oh, no, again, I do everything transparently and openly, of course. It wouldn't be anything I had any knowledge of uh, what that, that it was even unlawful. Otherwise, why would you not be trusted or transparent. But at some point, that just doesn't hold up anymore. And again, all you have to do is let Donald Trump talk. He'll implicate himself. He'll make himself culpable for these crimes, and that's exactly what he's doing. And this is not going to bode well with him, for him, with the Department of Justice. If you think they're not taking note of all these communications and all this information, you're mistaken, because they are. 
Merrick Garland is very meticulous and methodical, and he wants every bit and piece of evidence and quotes and witnesses he can get to make sure that he doesn't lose the case. And Donald Trump's been a big help. And he will continue to be a big help because he doesn't know any better. He's so arrogant, he thinks he can say whatever he wants, and he can persuade people to believe him. Now, the only reason he does that is because he's been able to do that for many, many years. The big difference between then and now is that when he was in business, he had a bunch of people that he was paying. And of course, they're going to say, oh, yeah, Donnie, you're a fucking brain. Say whatever you want. We'll try to cover for you in any way possible. Now, still some Republicans will try to do that, but not enough. And once the DOJ is involved, it really doesn't matter. When you're with the DOJ, it's about truth and justice and facts. If you're going the opposite way of truth, justice, and facts, well, you're going to fucking lose because the DOJ already knows what the truth and facts are. All right, the next story on Monday... TMZ, a great news source, reported that pro-Trump rapper Kanye West, known by uh, the nickname Ye, which I refuse to call him because I don't think you can give yourself your own nickname. That's why I don't, that's why I tell people that I'm not the Rational Boomer. I'm not. I'm not going to pin that name on me. I'm a Rational Boomer. You're all Rational Boomers, whether you're a Boomer or not. It's a uh, it, 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 it's not my name, and it's not an identifier for me. It's just the movement, if you will. And that might even be arrogant to say that, but that's the best I got. Well, anyway, Kanye West <laughs> was in a podcast interview, and he stormed off an interview with a right-wing podcaster after being asked about his recent anti-Semitism controversies. Now, Kanye's really fucked up about this. He's used to being popular, and he's like Donald Trump where he thinks he can say anything and everybody will just, you know, bow in his presence saying, oh, you're such a genius. Never got how people think Kanye West is a genius. Maybe he writes some good songs, but he's using, he's using samples from other people's music, so I don't think that connotates a fucking genius. That's just me. I'm an old white man. I'm a boomer. And you can just, you know, push me aside if you're a younger person saying I just don't understand his music. Well, you're fucking absolutely right. I don't understand it at all. Now, the incident where he walked off was captured on video. I watched it. And actually, when he walked off, he wasn't on camera, so you didn't really see him walked off. But you saw the host saying, is, is, is he leaving? And then you hear the door slam, and Kanye's gone. Although they deny that Ye's, Kanye's decision to leave the set was over the questions he was being asked, Ye went on Tim Pool's podcast Monday, where he was joined by radical right-wing extremist Milo Yiannopoulos, he's another guy that got into some trouble way back when. He was a lot like um, the clown Nick Fuentes. He's very similar to that guy. And um, he went on that podcast, and controversial and proud white nationalist Nick Fuentes was there too. And it didn't take long for the conversation to get uncomfortable. Kanye starts railing on the Jews after a few minutes of ranting. Tim starts to push back in the slightest way. And that's all it takes for Ye to hop out of his chair and bolt for an exit. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Isn't that what Donald Trump does when he gets cornered? There's two things a narcissist does when they get cornered. They either flail and fight and just throw anything against the wall or they run. Kanye West, in this instance, ran, and I think you're going to see Donald Trump ultimately run, too, because he's going to have no other choice. Now, later on during the podcast, a producer said Kanye, Milo, and Nick all left together in a car, claiming Ye told producers he wasn't angry with Tim, but his issue was getting cut off. They weren't letting him say all the things he should have said. 
Now, of course, Kanye West is is talking about running for president, which is so absolutely ridiculous. I mean, he tried to run in 2020. He wasn't a factor. He didn't get enough uh, votes. But frankly, if Kanye do, does decide to win, it'll have to be a third party. And all he'll do is screw things up for the Republicans. So I'm all for that. By all means, Kanye, fucking run. Kanye, run. And if Donald Trump has to go with an independent party, that'll split it up even more. So I hope they both fucking run. Trump has seen much of his business empire right now collapse following his anti-Semitic behavior, including a social media proclamation he was going to go, this is Kanye actually, go DEFCON 3 on Jewish people, which is weird because the word isn't DEFCON, it is DEFCON, and I don't know if he just doesn't know or he thinks he's being clever or whatever. And promotion of the black Hebrew Hebrew Israelite movement, which basically, basically claims that the real original tribes of Israel were black Africans and modern day Jews are just imposters. Okay. I don't doubt that there are plenty Afri- African Americans that are Jewish, but you can't discount an entire population of white Jewish people and say they're nothing more than imposters. And still Kanye says, I'm not anti-Semitic. Well, what the fuck would you call it? Of course you're anti-Semitic. Now, despite all of this and despite the potential threat of competition against him, Trump had the dinner at Mar-a-Lago with Kanye and Fuentes earlier this month, and that caused all kinds of controversy, as you know. And again, I mentioned this on the podcast with Ed. They always tell on themselves. Now, there's no way the general public would have known about this little dinner meeting had Kanye not stepped up and started yapping his mouth. Kanye even said, and we don't know that this is true because it would have been stupid for Kanye to say, but he is a narcissist and he is arrogant. He said he went to Donald Trump and asked him to be his vice president. And of course, when you do something like that to another narcissist, say you want to play second banana because I'm going to be king this time. Clearly, Donald Trump was not happy fucking about this at all, at all. And so Kanye has to come out and talk about it. This is a lot like Donald Trump's house getting served with a search warrant. Merrick Garland was trying to go about this as quietly as he could, but Donald Trump could not shut his mouth. He didn't see the value in people not knowing. It would have made a huge difference if the world didn't know that Donald Trump was stealing top-secret documents, and Merrick Garland would have been fine with that. He would have sent that to the grand jury, whatsoever in the grand jury would then, of course, be private or secret, and nobody would have known until there was a trial. But Donnie has to step up and flap his gums too, and everybody knows, and the shit show ensued. In fact, it got much worse for Donald Trump because he opened his mouth. But he's so arrogant, so narcissistic, he can't even see that. I'm sure he's been told any number of times, just keep your mouth shut, don't say anything. Had he taken that advice four years, six years ago, he wouldn't be in the kind of trouble he is in now. But he can't help himself. He can't help but want to be the center of attention. And that fucks him up and gets him in trouble every time. Now, earlier I was talking about the House of Representatives and how I think the Republicans are... um, fucking themselves over in this situation because they're just too divided. Now, I will tell you this story comes from a news source I would never use. But I thought this was interesting. And the fact that where it came from and what's being said makes me feel like it's true. But the source is Newsmax. I never watch Newsmax, but I saw this story and I read it and I thought, yeah, we need to talk about this because I'm anxious to hear why Kevin McCarthy believes this. 
So anyway, Republican House leader and speaker hopeful Representative Kevin McCarthy warned on Newsmax Monday that if the GOP members play games like don't elect him, the Democrats may end up selecting the next House Speaker despite being in the minority. Well, that's an interesting statement. He went on to say, we've had a couple of these folks that say they won't vote for you on the show. When we ask them what they want, they list a couple of rules, concessions they want. And we say, well, if you get those concessions, will you vote for McCarthy? And they say, well, we're not sure. And, of course, the host of this show on Newsmax, none other than the the initial liar in the Trump campaign and the Trump administration, Sean fucking Spicer. So then he goes on, Spicer goes on to ask these people, well, then who do you want your candidate to be? And they say, we don't know that. You know, one can't, one of those people suggested Jim Jordan, which is an absolute joke, and Jim Jordan probably won't do that. He wants to be on one of those, he wants to be the uh, chairman of one of those important um, commissions or committees. Now, people are supporting him. Marjorie Taylor Greene is supporting um, you because Marjorie Taylor Greene knows that uh, Kevin McCarthy will be her lapdog. Donald Trump is supporting Kevin McCarthy. But that doesn't get him 218 votes, and I don't know what will. Now, Spicer went on to say, you've raised, what, $500 million? Some of these people, you've actually funded their races. The thing that I don't understand is I don't envy your task. These folks aren't giving you a target. I get your point. There's no alternative. Everybody has voted for you. The conference has spoken. And as James Comer at the top of uh, the show said, you know, you've earned the opportunity. You were the quarterback, the coach that led them to the big game and one. One? You were a humongous failure in the midterms. I mean, they want to get rid of Ronna McDaniel in the RNC, the head of the RNC, and Kevin McCarthy's getting most of the blame for the failure in the midterms. So I don't get where he's won. So the question's going back to what Lindsey Graham said. You've got five people that you laid out all your cards out there. What is it that you are able to say to them that is going to change them at this point to get you to 218 votes, Spicer asked. And that's a good question. Matt Gates has already said he's got five people that are going to vote against him. So... McCarthy says, well, we'll have to listen, but you have to listen to everybody in the conference because five people on any side can stop anything when you're in a majority. I think when you look at the past history, when Paul Ryan ran, he had more people vote against him in the conference, and then they voted for him on the floor. And, you know, frankly, that's what could happen with Kevin McCarthy. They'll quickly realize that if they don't have a Speaker of the House, they're fucked. They are absolutely fucked in this situation. So people may bend and say, okay, we'll compromise with Kevin McCarthy, but Kevin McCarthy better give me this, this, and this. And of course, Kevin McCarthy will do that. Marjorie Taylor Greene probably already has him over a barrel, and that's why she's supporting him. She's probably the weakest member of the House of Representatives being on no committees at all. But somehow, because of her loud mouth, her ability to fundraise, she seems to be in control, so it would make sense to make her the Speaker of the House. But the reasonable-minded Republicans will never fucking vote for her. Um, McCarthy says, we've got five more weeks. We're working through our conference rules today. We want to make sure that everybody has input, but we have to speak as one voice. We will only be successful if we work together or we will lose individually. He says, this is a very fragile that we are the only stopgap for this Biden administration. And if we don't do this right, the Democrats can take the majority. 
if we play games on the floor. The Democrats could end up picking who the speaker is. It's an interesting concept. I, I still don't know how that's the case, but it could be. You know, maybe one of the reasonable-minded, and I, I say that with quotes around it because there aren't many, but say some reasonable-minded Republican says, hey, I want to be Speaker of the House, and the Democrats look at it as, as, as better than Kevin McCarthy or Marjorie Taylor Greene or Jim Jordan or anything, and the Democrats get on board and vote for this reasonable-minded Republican, which then takes away the power from the crazy MAGA fucks. So he says, I think at the end of the day, calmer heads will prevail. Really? In the Republican Party, there are calmer heads? Don't think so. We'll work together to find the best path forward. And I believe at the end of the day, since I've been the leader, all we've done is been able to gain seats. We have not lost seats, McCarthy continued to add. We've won seats each and every time where the rest of the Republicans have lost. So I think at the end of the day, we'll find the path and we'll make the American public proud of what we're able to accomplish and turn this economy back around because we're going to focus on the people, not politics. Really? Really? Because all I'm hearing you want to do is have investigations. Hunter Biden's laptop. Joe Biden. You want to work for the people, but you haven't never, ever said what you're going to do for the people. You hated inflation, but you've given us no indication of what you're going to do for inflation, how you're going to fix it. But you did tell us you're going to focus on trying to impeach Joe Biden and how you're going to try to get to the bottom of Hunter Biden's laptop. See, this is what Republicans do. They will tell you what you want to hear, but then flat out lie to you, whether you be Democrats or Republicans. They're going to do what they want. And it would be interesting if the Democrats could stick their nose in there and get some more reasonable Republican voted in as uh, as the uh, Speaker of the House. I mean, you think about this. The Democrats could pick the next Speaker of the House. Granted, it would have to be a Republican. And what do they have, like 214 votes? What if every Democrat voted for a Republican, gave him 214 votes, and all he needed is four Republican votes? That would undermine Kevin McCarthy, that would undermine Marjorie Taylor Greene, it would undermine everybody. Now, theoretically, in a vote for a Speaker of the House, all the opposite party would vote against him. But what if they said, you know, this guy isn't so bad, he's not great, but he's way better than Kevin McCarthy, so let's all get behind him, give him 214 votes, and see if he can rustle up 218 votes or four more votes in his own party. That's an interesting play. I mean, you're going to be stuck with a Republican anyway. Why not pick the lesser of all the evils in the Republican Party and pull the rug out from underneath Kevin McCarthy, who's proven he's nothing but a Trump sycophant. Marjorie Taylor Greene is just fucking stupid. Jim Jordan is a buffoon. Why not take that away from those fucks? Kevin McCarthy shouldn't have said anything because this sounds like an interesting concept. Let's let the Democrats pick which Republican should be Speaker of the House. And, you know, something else that would come out of that, if the Democrats helped a Republican win the Speaker of the House, then he would be kind, he or she would be kind of obliged to the Democrats to actually at least negotiate, come across the aisle when it comes to getting things done. Yeah, this could be really interesting. This could be very interesting. And I'm looking forward to see what's happening. And as I've said before, the Republicans are probably worse off that they won by a slim margin as opposed to losing. 
because all the blame is going to go on them for things not getting done. And let's be honest, they aren't going to get anything done. They've told us as much. And when nothing gets done and it comes to 2024, the Democrats are going to be loaded for bear. They're going to have a lot of ammunition to shut these motherfuckers down. Now, because... uh, The Republicans had an astoundingly successful election in 2016, but not since then. But almost every election since then, including the midterms and the special elections, has gone poorly for Republicans. This is seemingly the consequence of the GOP selling out their party to Donald Trump, but someone else has also been a part of all those poor performances. And that, of course, is the RNC chair, Ronna McDaniel. And and I always have to say this. She is Ronna Romney McDaniel. She is Mitt Romney's niece. Now, there's a lot of people within the Republican Party who feel that McDaniel is at fault for the midterms, or at least one of the people at fault for the midterms, and they think she should be replaced. And now there's a candidate for the job who stepped up to announce that he would be the, like to be the next head of the Republican Party. Guess who that is? <laughs> Mike, the pillow guy, Lindell. Yeah, he wants to run to be the head of the RNC. And it makes sense. I mean, he's running his company into the ground. He's going to need a job. He's being sued by uh, Dominion for $1.6 billion, which he is most certainly going to lose. So he's going to need to earn some pocket change so he can eat at Hardee's again and maybe get picked up by the FBI again. So Mike Lindell posted on social media, with all my due diligence and prayer, I am 100% running for RNC chairman against Ronna McDaniel. It's going to change really fast. We're going to get our country right really quick. Lindell also claimed to be 100% all in. The ship is sinking. It needs a leader. If you want to succeed, you'll get me elected. (laughs) I love this. Now, during a follow-up with Steve Bannon, uh, Mike was asked what he would do if Trump told him that he wanted to stick with McDaniel. Lindell responded, I would say, I'm sorry, sir, but my decision has already been made. I prayed about it. Yeah, you prayed about it. I'm sure God, folk, you know, we got a lot of stuff. We've got, we've got national disasters. We've got wars and stuff. But let me focus on Mike Lindell just for a minute. He says he prayed about it, and this is God's will. This is what I am doing. (laughs) God's will. That's what they always say. It's God's will. I talked about religion one time. My personal beliefs is that God or the universe or the source or whatever you want to call it really doesn't have time or interest in the minutia of what's happening in this one country, in this big world. I think God, the source, the universe, whatever you want to call it, is concerned about one thing, just being kind to other people. I think we make our way in religion, not even religion, because I see religion as organized and that's bullshit as far as I'm concerned. I think we make our own way in this world and what we put out there is what we get back. If we are good, compassionate people, That will do well for us in this country, in this world, and we will get that back. If instead we get greedy and and we're evil and we do bad things, that's what we will get and that's what this country will get. I think what's important in this country isn't to follow these little rules that everybody fucking makes up to have power. Just be good people and treat people well and this country will do better. But apparently these fucks that... um, are on the religious right seem to think they've got a shoe in. They've got an ace up their, their, their sleeve that God is really only focused on them, and that is absolute bullshit. Now, some people might say, ah, I hope Mike Lundell doesn't run for the chairman of the RNC. I hope he doesn't get it. I fucking hope he does because the entire Republican Party is a clown show. It's a joke. 
and having him leader of the RNC will just illustrate that very clearly to the rest of this country. Mike Lindell has fucked up everything he's done. For a time, he had a successful company, but he ran that into the ground. He's looked like a fool over and over again, claiming to have evidence of election fraud and never showing us a shred of evidence. So I think it would be great if Mike Lindell is the uh, chairman of the RNC, and he has my vote, not that I have a vote, but he would have my vote if I was asked about it. So... (laughs) It's almost pretty funny. And that's the one thing I will say about Republicans. As dangerous as they are, they are some entertaining motherfuckers. There is no question about it because they are funny. And that's why when I talk to Trump fucks now, I can't help but giggle a little bit or laugh at them, which really drives them nuts because they don't like it when you don't take them seriously. But I can't take them seriously. The things they do are just so absurd that you can't take them seriously. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. I hope you have a great day. And of course, we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.